to Psalm 9, it says, I will recount your wonderful deeds. <laughs> so I thought I would just open by reading, not the whole psalm, but about half the psalm as our opening prayer. It says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne, giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. But, again, the most important word in scripture, but. (laughs) But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice. And he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the people with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed. A stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. And just as we have just done, as we were sharing among us, tell among the peoples his deeds. And that's what we're just sharing, the deeds that the Lord is doing among us. And all of God's people said, Amen. 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 Hello, Gil. (laughs) Since you were calling about wondrous deeds and I was late, um, I just want to say something that happened to me last week during the event where all the artists were here. And um, we were all painting outdoors. And I was painting some sycamores in uh, Irvine Irvine Regional Park. And it, it was gray. Gray out in the nice house table. Parks are gray, but I needed I needed sunlight. I came home and I tried to work on it in my studio to bring in the light from other sources that I had, and it, I just felt un, uh, that it was not right. So the next morning, I decided I'd go out, and on the way out there, I prayed God. Just a little sun, just enough so I can see it and do it the way it's supposed to be done. And I got out there. Oh, and I started to kind of equivocate. And I started to say, but I know. No, ask for what you want. And he, I got out there. I started to set up the the sun. It was really overcast. The sun came out for a half hour. I finished what I had to do, and it just was remarkable. And then the sun went away, and I never saw it again the day that day. Prayer was answered directly, and that that particular painting won an award. So I just have to say, God showed me in in such a little vignette how much He cared about what I was doing, even though it may seem silly. What we do cares. Yeah, I'm back. Thank you, Gil. 
All right, so we are now in Isaiah 40 through 45, 40 through 55 is the section we're going to be um, starting to look at. Um, here's a little bit of the plan, um, as we learned in Isaiah 8, it says up there, devise a plan that it will fail. Okay. So this is just as of the next, this weekend acts, but who knows what God's going to do. All right. So tonight, what I'd like to do is look at um, this passage that I gave you as uh, a sort of like a bookmark, um, which is going to be sort of like that passage of Isaiah eight up there. It's sort of like that passage of Isaiah six. It's sort of a controlling um, view, narrative, uh, controlling, I guess, picture perspective. Of what we're going to, what, why we have Isaiah 40 through 55, and what we're going to be looking at in part as we go through Isaiah 40 through 55. Um, probably one of the most important pieces of scripture, bar none. I mean, when you take a look at how often Isaiah 40 through 55 is not just quoted in the New Testament, but its influence on Israel, its influence on Jews, its influence even during the time of Jesus, where it was this section um, more than any other that two thirds of the time it's, it's it's I think two thirds of all the when you take a look at the prophets which is for the Jews Joshua to Malachi so that's what the Jews uh, ancient Jews call and still to today call the prophets the prophetic literature. When you look at when they, when you look at their calendar, and you look at what they focus on, and then they have a calendar which should do all that. Two thirds of what they focus on is found in Isaiah. For is found in Isaiah. Okay, so of all the prophetic literature, when they go to say, let's talk about that body of Joshua to Malachi. Two thirds of the time they spend is in Isaiah. Within Isaiah, two thirds of the time they spend is Isaiah 40 to 55. Okay. Okay. So this is a very, has been for the life of ancient Israel, for us as a, uh, when Jesus came, the New Testament, for us as a church, this is a key, key passage of scripture section, um, that we're going to be looking at. So I'm excited to start going through that. Um, and, we will go through, we're going to start going through Isaiah 48 to look at some of this just um, tonight. And then next week, my hope is we might still can be in 48. If we're not, we're going to then jump and I'm going to go back to 40. And we're going to take a look a little bit again of the, give a little perspective of the historical perspective. What is going on? Because we've done this jump. Okay. And it's all of a sudden, what's the focus of Isaiah 40 to 55? I mean, we were talking about Ahaz. And then all of a sudden we're like, where are we now? So we'll take a look at that next, and then we'll just start going. So, um, Charlie. No, I was just going to ask you, is uh, is the reason that 40 to 55 broken out that way? Is that it's a different book? You know how Psalms has a couple of different... Yeah, um, I wouldn't say a different book. What I would say is a different section, that there's a big change of jump. Yeah, so section-wise, I guess would be a better way to say that. So when I when Jesus um, you know quotes Isaiah and wherever he quotes in Isaiah whether he quotes Isaiah one or whether he quotes Isaiah sixty six or fifty or forty five he's always saying Isaiah okay mm-hmm. so for the Jews also and for Jesus it's Isaiah people then try to break it up 
One thing that pretty, there's a lot of controversy in how it gets broken up. But I will say one thing that's pretty consistent across the board is 40 through 55 is in itself a large section and a very influential section within that. So in one way you could say, you could even call it almost like book two. (laughs) Some people might do, yeah. And then 56 through 66 becomes almost like book three if you were to do it that way. You know, it's like Luke Acts. You know, we forget the Luke Acts is was one single book. book. Yeah. Okay, it was one single thing. It's called Luke Acts both because it's broken up by Jesus's resurrection, the cross, but also because uh, the papyra at the time could not hold any more than what you have in Luke and what you have in Acts. Mm-hmm. You had a papyra for Luke, you had a papyra for Acts. Okay, mm-hmm. and today we have. Our Bibles, and we have our iPhones <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. for all that. All right. Good. Okay. So what I want to do is let's start by, so if you want to turn to page 262 in this, um, or your Bible, or you want to look at this, um, I want to start out by just reading Isaiah 48, 1 through 8. Just one through eight. And as we read it, I want you to think about the question I'm going to ask you after we're done reading it. Is is there something you hear of as far as a theme or anything that we've sort of heard before in Isaiah? Is there anything you're sort of like hearing as you're going through here that we've talked about before in Isaiah? All right. Any volunteers who would like to read Isaiah 48? One through eight. Chris. Hear this, the house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel, and who came from the waters of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord, and confess the God of Israel, but not in truth or right. For they call themselves after the holy city, and stay themselves on the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. The former things I declared of old, they went out from my mouth, and I announced them. Then suddenly I did them, and they came to pass. Because I know that you are is it obstinate, and your neck is an iron sinew, and your forehead brass, I declared them to you from of old. Before they came to pass, I announced them to you, lest you should say my idol did them, my carved image and my metal image commanded them. You have heard now see all this, you will, and you will not declare it. From this time forth I announced to you new things, hidden things that you have not known. They are created now, not long ago. Before today you have never heard of them, lest you should say, Behold, I knew them. You have never heard, you have never known. From of old your ear has not been opened. For I knew that you would surely deal treacherously, and that from the birth you were called a rebel. Okay, great. Thank you, Chris. All right. So is there anything, as we're reading that, that sort of pops out to you of the things we've been looking at with Isaiah? Well, sections 3, 4, and 5 uh, is a repeat of things that are in other sections as well. Your ear has not been opened. Okay. It's February 2. Okay. Well, the iron sinew. Sinew of your neck. I mean, 
they've always been called stiff neck people <laughs> historically. Right, right. So that's just uh, throughout. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Eric, I, I, what I like is he addresses the people here uh, looking at who they are and, and uh, the hmm. end of one. Very good. But not in truth or right. Huh. And, and so he's already calling out that you think you've been doing one thing, but you're falling a little bit short. And then he goes into uh, three through five of just about how obstinate they are and how resistant they are and doing their own thing, basically. But then he talks about what's to come and the promise. Mm -hmm. So it's the same kind of a theme. It's uh, you guys fail to measure up. This is why, but this is what's going to come. Okay. All right. Good. Anybody else? Anything you're seeing? Anything? Yes, he's identifying himself almost like you call yourself, you identify yourself with with me, the Uh holy city, with the God of Israel. Mm -hmm. By the way, the Lord of hosts is his name. (laughs) There it is again, right? The Lord of armies. Right. Right. And he says, you know, he reminds them that they were created, right? As if, I need to continue Mm -hmm. to remind you who you are and Mm -hmm. how you got where you are and who it is that you claim that you worship and who you stand behind. Yet, you're still worshiping idols, right? Mm -hmm. I did all this stuff. In all the previous chapters, right? <laughs> right? Well put, yes. So that you would not be able to claim that it was your idol. Uh-huh. Yet, I knew you were going to do it anyway. Yeah. So I had to purify. Anyway, that gets that's yeah. the next yeah, sure. But yeah, it's, it's basically, to me it sounds like, yeah, he's reiterating the things that he did prior to now. Mm-hmm. And now he's sort of... It's almost like you're, 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 now you were talking to somebody going through their teens, and now you're talking to somebody that like just turned 21 or 18. Mm-hmm. Now, now I'm dealing with you like a, a grown-up, uh-huh. and I'm just yeah. going to tell you how it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Okay. Others. What do you? Any words um, that sort of pop out that you, we've heard? Before in Isaiah, um, that tend to be sort of key words. Verse 8 takes me back to um, Isaiah 6, um, mm. 8 and 9. Yep, very good, Bruce. Why does it take you back to 6? Well, because about the hearing and, and the knowing and uh, your ear has not been opened. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. Good. Remember, it takes us back to Isaiah 6, 9 through 10, which is sort of the theme of all of Isaiah. Yeah. You know, hear, but you have not understood. It says see, it a little but differently, perceive. but it's the same message. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. They're still slow learners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? It's popping out. <clears throat> 
So take that word here um, that Bruce just talked about. How many times do you see in the in these eight verses do you see him saying here? What do you guys count there? Look at just the eight verses. How many times do you see him say something like here? count four four okay so you see that uh what what verses when you count four one one okay so if you, and if you guys have pens or pencils go ahead and underline the here there and one okay so we see it in one where do you see it next uh and i may have missed something here but six yep now that's good seven uh-huh and eight okay great did you also say that, like, um, maybe when it says, I declared, or when it says declared, it's also a similar word? Or Why do you word. think that, Pete? Uh, I think you mentioned it in one of the previous studies that the word for hear is also the word to, like, proclaim or hmm. declare. Right? So there's a lot of declares, I declared. All right. So like maybe very, very good. Um so the word for here in Hebrew is Shema. Okay, Shema. Um, and that is a, that as we've seen is a very important word because God says, I'm the God who's created everything. I'm the guy who saved you out of Israel. When I talk, I expect you to listen. Listen. But as part of that, when that word is used in the Old Testament and the New, but particularly in the Old Testament, Shema, when that word is said, it always, it basically always carries with it the sense that if you hear, you must also obey. Mm-hmm. They go together, okay? In fact, when the Jews would read and hear Shema, they would go, this is not just something we hear, this is something we obey. So important is that word that the Jews and Orthodox Jews, even today, um, multiple times during the day, I think it's like 6 o'clock in the morning, 9 o'clock, 12, 3, 6. Um, they repeat the Shema. <laughs> and that's what it's called, mm-hmm. the Shema. Mm-hmm. All right, anybody know where the Shema is? Hear, O Lord, uh, hear Israel. And where is that? Lord God, Lord God is born. Yeah, very good. Yeah. So that's in, the, in Deuteronomy 6, and that's exactly what, what Pete just says. It, Deuteronomy 6, 4. And it starts out with Shema. <laughs> hear, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is Ahad, which is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That has, is that is the Shema. Okay, and obviously that's what Jesus, when it's asked, how do you sum up the law of the prophets? Mm-hmm. He goes right there. Okay, then he goes to Leviticus, okay, but he goes right there, and I love what it says right after the Shema, is as soon as it ends that, it says in verse 6, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And that's why they, it's like, where do we want to get the word? We want to get the word in us, <laughs> in our hearts. 
Can you, do you know how to, you could read some Hebrew, right? But can, do you know how to speak it? Uh, I used to more than I do now. <laughs> I can do Shema. I used to know this. Actually, I wish I, I went, I should go back and learn it again. I was thinking that is I used to know the Shema by heart in Hebrew. Um, where do you learn is, where do you learn that? Well, I, so I learned, well, I don't even like say I learned it because I'm still struggling with it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I went to, so my degree is from Fuller Theological Seminary. And when you do an MDiv, you have to do two years of a language. Um, most people choose Greek. Mm-hmm. I chose Hebrew. Um, and so that's where I, <laughs> I can say I learned it because I don't use it is my problem. Um, a couple that have a church down in the Bay Area um, that I used to work with and went to school with, um, they took the learning of Hebrew and they go and do tours in Jerusalem and they know how to speak it fluently because wow. they use it all the time. And now what's neat about the Hebrew language is there's a whole lot of new, wor- of new words today mm-hmm. um, that didn't exist back here, but primarily that language that the Jews still speak today of Hebrew is very much the ancient Hebrew you have back in Scripture. Mm-hmm. A lot of languages, like people, no one speaks Koine Greek, which is what the New Testament is written in. No mm-hmm. one speaks that today. Mm-hmm. Okay, Hebrew they do. Okay, but they had to um, like revive Hebrew, right? Because it was yes, like, they did. It was, very good. It wasn't really a spoken language. That's right. They lost that language. What were they much. speaking? That's Israel. right. Well, it was only like an academic thing. Yeah. That was that was preserved <clears throat> only. Religiously, almost. Yeah. They spoke Weren't they speaking Aramaic? Yeah, they were in all the other countries. So, so currently, so currently what they speak as Hebrew, you know, it probably sounds a little bit different because they had to kind of like recreate it. Right. And so they recreated it in the past hundred years or so. Right. Yeah. Very good. And it became the national language of Israel and then. Yep. Exactly. That's sort of neat. They re-resurrected with the nation of Israel for me in 1948. So if we learned biblical Hebrew and went to Israel, we'd sound a little weird. Well, but you would, I guess the thing I would say is what's neat is if you learn Hebrew and you learn biblical Hebrew, you, you can start, it's, it's, it's a huge foundation to start building on to speak the Hebrew that they speak today. Um, Probably one of the greatest privileges I ever had was after taking Hebrew was down here, actually. I was up up north, but I came down here when they had the Dead Sea Scrolls in San Diego, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I drove down here in San Diego. So the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, are, uh, in fact, pretty much the whole book of Isaiah is there, but much of the Old Testament's there. And you can look at these things, you know, scripts of Hebrew that are written back, like, before Jesus, which is really cool. Yeah. But what was neat is I was able to actually go and look at the papyrus and stuff yeah. and actually sort of read it. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, a, it's an amazing language. Laurel um, Sternberg that used to go to our church here uh, yeah, to Israel. Right. And she speaks and reads and is fluent in Hebrew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She moved there and learned it. Who's that, Bruce? do that, but she did. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. What's her name? Her name is Laurel Sternberg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we were in a Bible study with her uh, right when she was moving back to Israel. Yeah. Okay. 
And Sneed, I mean, she's now, because of technology, because of Zoom, she's actually part of Jay's, you know, morning prayer that he does every morning still. Um, she's part of that, I think, pretty much every every day. She's on she from Israel, you know, which is neat on Zoom. So, yeah. All right. She has to get up at five Greg, did Jesus speak Aramaic? What was his language that he spoke? There's, de- there's, there's debate about that. Um, he probably spoke everything. Well, he would speak Hebrew and Aramaic. Both. Yeah. But wasn't Aramaic and the Greek. common language? Aramaic was. Okay. Okay. Hebrew. Um, Were the priests. Right. You had the Hebrew. And then you also had Greek. So the Greek language was very well spoken, particularly in northern Israel. Yeah. So yeah. Jesus would have, I would say, probably most definitely have known Greek. Yeah. Okay. And, um, but it's a, it's a, it's one of those. Debates that people have that yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. really we don't really know for sure. We don't entirely know for sure. <laughs> All um, powerful, he probably spoke yeah. all. Yeah, including Spanish. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So, going along with what Pete said, the word Shema, and this is sort of fascinating, is that we just came up with four places that it is in the in verses one through eight. But it also is in three other places, okay, because of what Pete said. Now, it's actually not the declared, but you're close, <laughs> okay? It's actually the word announced. So in verse 3, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. where it says, they went out from their, my mouth and I announced, he's actually saying, I shema, okay? Verse 5, too. Yeah, and verse 5, and the last one is? Verse 6. Verse 6. Very good. Verse six. From this time forth, I announce to you new things. So, I did a little word search, and what's fascinating is this section of 48, um, actually 1 through, um, I think 1 through, uh, 1 through, well, I think pretty much the whole Isaiah 48, the word Shema occurs at least, it, it's one of the places in all of the Old Testament where you see a very concentrated use of the word Shema. Almost, I, I wanted to say the most, but I did a little study. It's some, a couple places like in Kings and a couple other places um, you see pretty close. But the, when you look in the Hebrew here, um, 48, it's here, 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 here. <laughs> okay. Did you notice how declared yeah. is right in front of announced in all the places where there's announced right before that it's declared. It's like he's double stated. Oh, I saw oh, Angie, I did not know that. You just said that. I just I see that now. Yeah. I declare it to you and then I announced. Huh. Declared, and that is. Oh, very. Wow, very good, Jason. I did not so see that. The word for declared then. I um That's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. It is um So, let's see. So, announce the Shema declared is Hagad. Don't really, that's pretty much all I can tell you. <laughs> um, but it is a different word. 
Um, yeah, it's 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 a god. So, all right. Okay, so let's let's take a look. So we see how important that is here. I mean, again, <laughs> he has to keep saying it over and over again. It's like like we say to kids, right? Can't you? Don't you? Aren't you listening to me? <laughs> you know, um, we're people who. In fact, Bruce and I were talking about that, you know, just um, right before we started, which is just how much our world today wants to, I mean, what's the whole purpose of social media? To distract our hearing, distract our Shema, you know, and God keeps saying, hear me, hear Mm -hmm. me, hear me. (laughs) And I love back to our verse over there. Um, it's hear me only <laughs> and listen to me and how often we are so distracted to hear everything else but the, but God himself. And yet he's given us that privilege of hearing him. Um, so taking a look at 48, how do you one, Shema? S-H-E-M-A. If you, I mean, from the way of saying it, it would be transliterated S-H-E-M-A. S-H-E-M-A. That was way off. <laughs> so, you know, really quick, just again, since we have so many people here, why don't we just go around and say our names so we, like, I know a lot of you guys, a lot of, some of us are new from when the other people were here, so just, just quickly, go ahead. Uh, Ruben? Chad? Eric? Chris? Peter? Mine? Jason? Steve? Steve? Bruce? John? Bill? Charlie. <laughs> Got you. Okay. All right. Just thought it's good to do that every once in a while so people like me. the name. Right. <laughs> I didn't hear you. <laughs> you need to declare it. That's right. You need to announce it. Um, all right. 48. So the first part of this section, um, and, and again, this is almost, uh, it's almost like, you remember how in Isaiah we started Isaiah 6? <laughs> And then we went back to Isaiah 1 and, and became the theme. 48 here is almost like that. 48 is almost like telling us some stuff. And then it's going to really say, you sort of need to know this. And it's going to take, and then we're going to go back to Isaiah 40. All right. Because of what it's going to be saying here that we'll see. But notice in, in Isaiah 48, it says, it starts out in verse 1. Verse 1 and 2. It says, hear this, O house of Jacob. And listen to all the different terms used for what the people of Israel at that time call themselves. So what do they call themselves? Okay, they call themselves, what? Oh, house of Jacob. House of Jacob. Okay. They, they are called by the name of? Israel. Israel. It's Jacob's other name. And who come from the? Waters of Judah. Waters of Judah. They, what? Swear by, the, Swear name by the name of, okay, now Yahweh. I want, by what? Yahweh. Ooh. Yes, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you say Yahweh? Because it's all capital. Very good. Okay, uh-huh. just to remind all of you of that. Okay, uh-huh. whenever you see the word, you can even practice that. Whenever you're reading the Old Testament, whenever you see small caps for the word Lord, it is always, 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 there's one thing certain. It's almost like the only word that we don't 
really transliterate in a way, or we don't really, in, we don't, we do obviously translate into English because we're saying the word Lord, but we always know that when we see the word Lord in small caps, it always is Yahweh. Okay, it is always the Hebrew word Yahweh. What do you mean small caps? Well, if you look at Lord, see on yours too, I think yours, yeah, yeah, it does, yeah, okay. So that's small caps. So that's very purposeful. Uh, And pretty much all, most translations will always show it like that. Um, All right. Okay, so we just got, we swear by the name of the Lord. We, and what, what else are they known to be? A people who... They confess the God of Israel, Mm -hmm. whose name is Yahweh. Yahweh. (laughs) Um, Elohim. um, We'll skip the but not in truth or right. We're going to come back to that. For they call themselves, what? These people call themselves? After the Holy City. And what is the Holy City? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And they stay themselves on the God of Israel. So the word stay, by the way, there are the, the Hebrew behind that means to brace yourself. Okay, so it's like they're bracing themselves. Um, it's like foundation, holding themselves by the name of the God of Israel. And then finally, Yahweh of hosts, or as we learned before, Yahweh of armies is another way to translate that, is his name. So here's these people. These are all the different ways they call themselves. All the different ways in which they would identify themselves. I'm sure there's more. Okay. So now I'm asking you. What are all the different ways we identify ourselves? So we, you mean today. Yeah. Yes, we today. That's a tough one. Yeah, we today. What are the different ways, things that we would be like this, calling ourselves. The believers of Christ. Christians. So, okay, so all right, Christians. Believers of Christ. And, what'd you say? Believers. Okay, believers. Yeah. Evangelical. Okay, all right. Evangelical. Disciples. Okay, disciples. It means followers. What? Born again. Born, all right, excellent. Born again. Children of God. Children of God. That's a good saved through Christ. Saved. What'd you saved. say? Saved. 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 saved through Christ. Saved through Christ. Okay. From Christ is saved. Redeemed. All right, love it. Redeemed. Forgiven. What was that? Forgiven. Forgiven. You're really justified. Justified? Same as forgiven, I guess. Followers. Followers, no. No, that's very good. Followers. Hopefully sanctified. Sanctified. The bride of Christ. The bride of Christ? All right. That's a good one. And since you just said that... Who is the bride of Christ? It's the church. church. We haven't said the word yet. Church. The body of Christ. 
Body of Christ? I slipped my mind. <laughs> yeah, sure. Receivers of the Spirit. Oh, yeah, hmm. not, Receivers of the Spirit, okay. Follower. Follower. We Do we have that? Bottom. Yeah, Bottom. yeah, right yeah down follower. There. Okay, got that. Obedient servants. All right. <laughs> well, so given we just said, Jason, what did we learn in Galatians? Yeah, slaves of Christ. Uh, what did I just hear? Saints. Saints. Alive in Christ. Alive. Fools for Christ. Fools? Fools. Yeah, oh yeah, I, yeah. I haven't heard that one for a while. Fools for Christ? Yes. Of Christ? For Christ. For Christ. You want to join? What is um? One thing you haven't put yet is what is the term in the book of Acts that is used for Christians? The what? The way. Excellent. The way. We are we are going to actually see how this term is an important term in Isaiah forty through fifty five. Oh, salt and light. Salt and light. Never um, heard that one before. Salt and light. Yeah. Stay oh. salty. Yeah. <laughs> salt and light. It's in there. Sheep. Sheep. Did I hear sheep? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 Sheep. Uh, Good old yeah. sheep. Well, we sure call each other a lot of names. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. How about God's chosen? Yeah, then we got disciples. Um, God's chosen. Yeah, so it's chosen that elect. Like oh, you left. Oh, yeah. That, to get yeah we didn't have that yet. Yeah. Remnant. Remnant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Sons. Sons of God. What did I hear? Sons of God. Sons yeah. of God. Yeah. Inheritors. Yeah. Heirs. Yeah. No, yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Heirs. Of, yeah. Heirs. <coughs> Kingdom dwellers. All right, yeah, we don't have kingdom here yet, do we? King, kingdom dwellers. Oh, you know, forgiven. I think we got forgiven. Okay. Wow, that's good. All right. Can you think of any more, Greg? I I don't. I. Thought of something and then I just completely. <laughs> so I don't remember. We might already have it on there. Um, oh, I think. What was I thinking? I'm trying to think about what the. Well, I guess you could say like children of Abraham. I'm not sure yeah. if that's a term that Paul uses. He talks about how our father is Abraham. Yeah. But, um, yeah. 
How about yeah. the living? The living, yeah. Yeah. We've pretty much filled the page. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a that's, that's quite a exhaustive list. Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Yeah. Wow. I didn't count. Twenty. Okay, twenty-seven names. <laughs> so we got uh, we got these guys beat here. <laughs> yeah, we do. There you go. <laughs> All right. So since we have them beat and the number of names. <laughs> <laughs> How are we doing with that phrase that Isaiah just like throws in there that causes us to sort of go? Uh, Eric, were you the ones noticed that, or I think you are though? Yeah, where it says, "But not in truth or right." right. Um, what do you think? It, what do you think it means there? So notice how he goes through and he just sort of like. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna write down like. Sinners, you know. Sinners. Oh, Good. wow. Yeah. Woo. We forgot about that. <laughs> that should be at the top of the list. No, actually, I... Yeah. We'll have to put that one in red. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's a yeah. Saved by grace. Saved by grace. Why? Brothers in Christ. Yeah, brothers. Yeah, good. Yep, good old brothers. That's how we got 30. Okay. What about new creation? Yeah, we could talk about new creation. We call ourselves, do we call ourselves a new, well we do. You a new creation in Christ? Yep. Second Chronicles, Second Corinthians 5. Yep. Second Corinthians 5. Absolutely. Yeah. Alright. So, what do you think is going on there? Why do you think um, Isaiah says, but not in truth or right? And the word right there is actually the same word as righteousness that's used. Some of the translations will say righteousness there. Um, they were on a path, but they were on their path, not Christ's path. Okay, so they were on the wrong. They were not on the right righteousness. They were on the wrong, <laughs> the wrong path, okay? If someone said to you, so we listed all these names, and someone said, well, so how are you as these people, how are you not in truth or right today? Not necessarily personally, uh, but more, how would you say the church, how, how would you, if you were to look at that and go, well, the church or the, this group of people we call here, um, are we... In truth and righteousness, are we off? Through Christ, we are. Yeah. That reminded me of another word, ambassadors. Ambassadors, yeah. That's that. Because of the question. Ambassadors, yeah. 31. (laughs) So if you were going to be a critique of the church today, Church, big church, whole church, all those who claim this. All right. So if you're going to be a critique of that, what would be, what, what do you think, what, what would some of the things you, you would say, what would words, let me do it this way, what words would you use instead of these for how we maybe are not in truth or righteousness? 
Does that question make sense? Say it again? No. Go ahead, Steve. You know, you can apply it certainly to church today, but this right here where it says, who swear by the name of the Lord and confess God of Israel, but not truth and right, to me just struck me as the words that Christ used when talking about the Pharisees. Okay. And what word did he use for the Pharisees? Um, You know, that you come off as being whitewashed and on the outside, but not on the inside. Yeah, and he and Jesus called those who claimed this a word. Hypocrites. Hypocrites. Vipers. 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 Brood of vipers. Yeah, no, that's that's when he really got it. Yeah. yeah, he got his head cut off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he was asking for it. Yeah, yeah he yeah. said in, in the Sermon on the Mount, don't swear. Yeah. Right? He mm-hmm. said, don't swear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't use his like, name in vain. Critically, yeah. Yeah. Anything else you guys can think of as far as how is the church, how are these people today? Would you say in today's world how we are not in truth or righteousness? I think there's a lot of divisiveness within right. the church. Yeah. Okay, very or good. Or within other churches even. I Excellent. Mean, Catholic against Protestants against evangelicals, like very good division. Yeah, division. Yeah. Well, he says. And the devil relishes in division. When when uh-huh. you can divide and conquer, that's the plan. So we got hypocrisy. We got division. What else comes to your mind? He says what. What, why they're not in truth or right consciousness. Uh-huh. And how are we not? How would you say we are not today? Anything that you see with them that are the same? <laughs> Certainly. I don't think it, it, it... Now that Christ has come, <coughs> crucified, we have the opportunity to see and to hear. Right? And... Fortunately, in the old days, Noah did in spite of everything else, but uh, and Abraham and a few other heroes. But um, it's knowing them, it's knowing God, it's choosing to have that relationship and be in that reality, in that kingdom. Because you could talk a great game, but if your heart isn't there, if your actions are being led by your heart through the spirit, then your bow is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, on a good yeah. day, I think this is where we want to be. Uh-huh. But just like what Jason said, walking with the spirit and living this, you know, yeah. having that relationship with God, you know, etched on our hearts mm-hmm. so that we... Yeah, if you're living the Shema, you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But do we do that? Yeah, right. Which is just a constant every minute of the day, second every, of the day. Every now. Day. Am I doing it now? No, we trust now. in the world too much instead of the Word. We trust in what? In the world. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to say, Eric? Uh, it kind of goes back to some of the points Jeff has made in his sermons. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple sayings that I know that kind of pull us all together. Uh, one of them goes like this. Integrity requires consistency in both your public and private life. Mm. Test yourself by asking, will my private life withstand public scrutiny? Yeah. And so rather than public scrutiny, perhaps it's the Lord's scrutiny that we need to be concerned about. Mm. And there's mm. another one that goes like this. It is difficult to resist evil. 
because choosing the right path often calls for personal sacrifices, which we are unwilling to make. Nevertheless, always choose the right path. And it's those mm. things that Jason's talking about, dying to self, it's those things yeah. that we keep hanging on to that Jeff alluded to, that is the ultimate dying to self, where we can have integrity in our relationship with Christ. Yeah. Well put. And I noticed that you have, I love Eric's, he has that um, in him, doesn't he? (laughs) He's got that so well in him that he can just stay that out. When you said that over a year ago, remember you said that first one, the integrity one? Mm -hmm. Always wanted to hear it again, so thank you for saying that. Yeah, because, you know, I think that virtue and integrity are the bottom line in a Christian walk. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that, then you're living a duplicitous life. Right. And if and it's you're cheating yourself, but you're also cheating your relationship with Christ. Yeah. So it's one foot in the world and one foot with God, and I'll take the good from either one of them right. and keep on going down the road. And that's not what we're talking about here. Talking yeah. And I yeah. Us I'll put being sold out. Mm-hmm. And, and I it's think, hard. yeah, it's and I easy. and I think that's that yeah, when he says he's not, they're not in truth or righteousness. Right. That righteousness means not in a right relationship with God. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Might look like on the outside, like you just said, but not when you um, when no one's looking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you do when no one's around? Yeah. Could you read those again? Those two. Um, which one do you want? <laughs> the, the two that you read that. Integrity requires consistency in both your public and private life. Test yourself by asking, will my private life withstand public scrutiny? Hmm. And it's it's very powerful. It's just a few words. But it it flushes everything out. (laughs) Right. I mean, to me, that seems like that's, that's something you have inside of you. It's like driving down the highway, you know, we all don't even take, make it, you know, we don't, we're, we're constantly doing these little corrections to make sure we stay straight. And it's like you have that inside of you. And it's like that's why we're to have the word of Christ dwell in us richly, it says, teaching and admonishing one another in, in Colossians 3.16. Because, and Paul says, stay in step with the Spirit. It's like keeps you driving down the highway. You keep keeping that word in you, keep saying that, and it's like when you go off of the, oops, whoops, I can't do that, whoops, I can't do that, you know, so, thank you, Aaron. that was really good. All right, so let's move on to verse three, because now, we, what's neat about here is that this is a place where God reveals within his word why we have the word. <laughs> Okay, I mean, one of the main reasons we have Isaiah, one of the main reasons why, I mean, why, why did God give us all this? Okay, why didn't we just have Genesis, or why didn't we just have the Ten Commandments, or why didn't we just have the Sermon on the Mount? Why do we need all this? Okay, and particularly in Isaiah, you know, why did, why did we need to have all this stuff <laughs> beforehand? Okay. And he's now going to, Isaiah is going to make a distinction between all this stuff beforehand and all this stuff after, which is sort of interesting, okay, as to what he's, what he's going to say about that. Um, 
So notice what he says. He says in verse 3, The former things I declared of old, they went out from my mouth, and I shamad them, I announced them. Then suddenly I did them, and they came to pass. So what are these, what are some of the things you can think of, of the former things that God is talking about here? What are some former things that he declared of old? Now we're talking about the, like, just pretend like you're an Israelite at this time, reading this, okay? So, think of the things for, before this, before, okay, that we have within the word. The former things that God declared, that he declared with his mouth, he announced that they would happen, and then he did them like that. All right. What are some of those things that come to your mind that God announced beforehand, before Isaiah, and he did them? Suddenly, he did them. Can you think of anything? Creation, right? Okay, creation. (laughs) He did that before, yeah. He announced creation, and he did it. (laughs) How about the slavery in How suddenly did, if you just take the scripture literally, let's take it literally, how suddenly did he do creation? Quite, quite suddenly. Oh, yeah. uh, how long did it suddenly take him? Like six, six days. He six spoke, days, right? spoke it into existence. Yeah, yeah. Not, not bad. All right. It's like built Legos. How long does it take? They now have this new, like, um, huge Lego set of the Titanic. They're just releasing 7,000 pieces or something, you know? All right. They're big. The, the pieces? It, well, is no, the ship itself is about to say. No, it's not full-size Titanic, but it's like about this big, I think. It's like all these little pieces. But you can imagine, it's sort of like God has all those Lego pieces, you know, and you got the Titanic. Um, but what, so what do you think about, so it's a creation. What, what are some of the things that God announced? You know, Noah and the Ark, for sure. Okay, all right. There's so, one, yeah. we, okay, we've got Noah and the Ark. So he had, he said, I'm going to do what? I'm going to... Yeah. And who believed him? Yeah, Noah. <laughs> Noah. Well, Noah did. Noah did. And his kids. Right. Okay. Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah. His, kid, his kids didn't necessarily believe him. They just obeyed yeah. their father. And think about the word suddenly here. Because God said he's going to do something... You didn't know when he was going to do it, and then notice how he works. He it happens suddenly. All right. Like a thief in the night. Yeah, like a thief in the <laughs> night. Exactly. Okay, so we got the flood. Um, Although it wasn't exactly suddenly. It's 120 years, right? Yeah, but it came pretty it came suddenly. Pretty suddenly. Yeah. He said he was going to do it. He gave Noah time to build. Hey, he lived out 150 years. It's kind of sudden. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's yeah. living on almost a thousand then. So. Right. Okay. So what else? What other what other events did God say He's going to do, and then He did them? Abraham and his wife okay. Sarah. All right. They had Isaac. Okay. There's another one. Good one. Right. That's excellent. Okay. He, you know, they're like 70 years old or whatever, and. Yeah. You're going to have a kid, and yeah, right, God. <laughs> She's laughing about it. Yeah. Um, okay. What else? Adam and Eve in the garden. Just hey, do this, and you're screwed. Up, oh, up, oh, there you go. That happened suddenly. <laughs> it happened. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you're kicked out suddenly. 
What other? Perform miracles. And what kind of miracles did God do that he said he was going to do, and then he did it? Like the flood? So, um, it was it Elijah went up? Suddenly went up? Yeah, went up. Uh, who was it? Elijah. Elijah. Yeah, I think it was Elijah. Yeah, yeah. Also went up to heaven. Right? Everything in Egypt. Okay. What, what what's Every, that called? Moses. Everything in Egypt. Yeah. What's Exodus. that called? Right. Exodus. Yeah. Parting okay. <laughs> the, the That yeah. when the Jews read this, every Jew instantly. If I asked the Jews at this time, "Hey guys, what are those things where God said He was going to do and He did it?" The number one thing that defines who they are is they would say the Exodus. That is the defining event. That is the salvation. As we say Christ and the cross is our event for the Jews, Exodus is the salvation event. For us, we look and we say Christ is the salvation event. If you go to a Jew today, they're going to still tell you today the Exodus is that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anything else you guys can think of? Any other? Well, and then everything in the book prior to this, even right. just during Isaiah's lifetime. That's right. This exactly. one thing after another. Yeah. His whole lifetime was, right. was tested. That, that's why I had you guys read. You know, you read all the oracles and you right. read all the things and God did them. Right. Why does it say that God announced them and then why do you think God does them like that suddenly? Why, what's, why is it so important, does it say here, that he does them suddenly? So there's no mistaking the fact that it was man's conjuring and manipulation and whatever. It's yeah. like, you know, I, you don't even know the playing field. Yeah, very good. When the Exodus, he said, you will know that I am God. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, he wanted to make a point. <laughs> I am the Lord. I, I am your Lord, yeah, I, I am, am the Lord. Lord. The one and only. So notice in verse 4, okay, it tells us why. Why does he do this? Because what? You're obstinate. <laughs> Stubborn. <laughs> stupid. Because you're obstinate. Um, they believe that, you know, when it says in your neck is like an iron sinew <clears throat> and your forehead, how you say it? Sinew. Sinew. And your forehead brass, they're very much getting the idea of like a stubborn animal. If you can think of like a stubborn cow or stubborn mule or, you know, and you, you try to pull on it, Arcade. it's like, come, and it's like, <laughs> you know, it's not going to go, you're not going to get it to go. <laughs> it's like, we're stuck in the mud. You're not, and the more harder you pull, the more, more, you, get, yeah. more you get stuck. And that's sort of like what he's describing us as, yeah. just an obstinate people. So there's a tendon in your body, right? Yeah. Yeah. So just like a really stiff, doesn't move. Right. The more you try to get me to move, move, the the more I'm going to put down. Okay, so, um, then he says in verse 5, so I declared them to you from old, of old, I I declared them to you of old, before they came to pass, Again, I shamad them. I announced them to you. And again, not just because you're stubborn, and I think Jason brought this out, but why else does he say then after this, in verse 5, the last part of verse 5, why is he saying that he does it this way? Right. So you can't give idols a credit. Exactly. All right. 
Something man, man-made did it, not God. Yeah. I mean, when you just read that, you could see God's just incredible sense of humor. So you can't say, <laughs> my idol did them, my carved image. Like, you know, you just stand there going, seriously? But seriously, what did we do today? What did we do today? We give ourselves credit for saving the world. Yeah, for all the different things that are going. I did this. I did that. Right. And it's so true. Right. And that's why you see God. You what? I said we're creating idols every day within ourselves. Right. Yeah. Right. And giving ourselves credit. Our actions become our idols. It's crazy. Very good. I would call this him establishing his authenticity. Mm. Yeah. He is definitely doing that. Yeah. Yeah. We created the cloud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been ripping off the name, right? That's funny. Yeah, he, he will return on a cloud. Is that is that a Microsoft one? Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. So what do we call what do we call the things that God says he's going to do before he does them and then he does them what do we call prophecy them? prophecy yeah okay so I want you to think about the purpose of prophecy okay given what you're just reading here when God talks about why there's prophecy what is he saying as to what how prophecy works? It's, it's what is he? What's what's he saying about why there is prophecy? It's, it's for what guidance. Well, what's he saying here? I think it's proof of who he is. Okay, okay. So it goes back to almost what you said. It's integrity, integrity. authenticity. It's it's to prove who he is. So prophecy is to prove who. God is to bring us closer to Him. Okay. Because even today, with all of our technology, we can't we can't predict the weather, you know, a few days in advance because of the chaos theory. Right. right. And um, well, you so can't just like yeah. 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 So even today, this is I think extremely good proof that our our beliefs are true. Yeah, it's exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a way to get us so to believe. Historically, and figure out if these things are true. These things that we're reading today, are they true? Right. If they're true, there's no other answer besides the fact that, yes, this is God. Right? Because there's mm-hmm. no other explanation. There's no natural explanation you can give mm-hmm. for how you can predict things as accurately. So when you hear... I'll sort of put this in quotes. When you hear people today, there's there's many people out there on YouTube, for example, or people in people out there in the Christian arena that call themselves prophets. Okay, mm-hmm. and there are you, many of you might listen to some of them. Okay, who actually you know say that they're prophets. When they use that word, what are they meaning? What are they well, how do we usually, when we think of the word, oh, you're a prophet, that means we expect that person to what? Predict the future. To predict the future. Yeah. Exactly. All right? Mm-hmm. But what is what is God saying a prophet is here? 
is the summons, is the point that he, is the point of prophecy here to predict the future? No. 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 It's to to demonstrate that I'm God. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, if you look at people who claim to be prophets today, many of them are saying, I'm going to prophesize and tell you that this is going to happen in the future. All right? Forget about whether they're right or wrong or not. The point is, what they're trying to do is get people to listen to them, to have a focus of, oh, what's going to happen to me in the future? All right? Where, when you look at here, the point of prophecy is not to tell you so you can know what's going to happen in the future. That's not the whole reason for prophecy in the Bible. The whole reason is right here. It is so you know that God is the one who said, I'm going to do it, and he did it. He's in control. And we can give no credit to anybody else but God. Right. If you find someone today you're listening to that's saying, oh, I can tell you what's going to happen in the future, whose focus are they putting themselves in? The focus is not on God. The focus is on them. They're saying, I heard from God, and he told me, (laughs) okay? And we idolize that person and go, so-and-so did this, and we believe it. And so we end up doing exactly what they're doing here. Now, that that being said, though, God can share things with you that may or may not happen at some point, or give you some insight into whatever, but it's... But how is that different than what you have here? What's the difference between that and what we have here? And and maybe there's nothing different in that. And if if the intention is maybe, I've had situations where God has told me things, right? In order that I knew that he was God. Okay. All right. right. For your own personal relationship with God. Yes. Right. And or even sometimes just to just to give me a, a throw me a bone mm-hmm. just to satisfy me and then see that it and then oh okay right yeah and or just to calm me down this or that you know there are diff, different ways of doing that but yeah it wasn't it was for God's glory yeah I mean that's yeah go ahead I was going to say I think at least for me it's like I think God's intention maybe through his prophecies to strengthen our faith. Yeah. It might be one of the main things because it's through faith that we're saved. And, you know, God, just a few things I've read in the Bible that just, especially in Daniel, you mm-hmm. know, how all those, you know, the statue and how all that came to pass, I think it's pretty amazing. You know, and it makes me think that this is the word of God. And right. It, it strengthens my faith. Yeah. Yeah. As it should, right? That's right. the point. Yeah. But well, sure. global warming is going to kill us all anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but God will be in control of it. <laughs> the days weren't cut short. Yeah. I mean, and you just think even, I think um, we did this before uh, a couple months ago, but, you know, even, you know, all the times people are saying things like, oh, I'm going to tell you Jesus is going to come tomorrow, or he's going to come in two weeks, or he's going to come on October 25th. At 3 p.m. Um, notice what he says here about how he does things. He declares them ahead of time, ahead of time. in his word, and he suddenly does it. He's not going to give up on he doing give that. A date. Yeah, well, he's not, and he's not going to give up on doing that because the thing we're waiting for is for Christ, the Christ to come again. Yeah. Okay. The and in Matthew 24, 
Okay, and then even in Revelation, you know, we're given all these different things, but we're given in Matthew 24, Jesus says, all these things are going to be happening, and he calls them birth pangs. He does not call them the sign of him coming. He calls them all birth pangs, which are all the things that have been going on in the world. Mm-hmm. They're going now, that went on a thousand years ago, they've been going on earthquakes and famines and nations against nations and diseases and all that stuff, okay? Everything we can think of. So he says that all in 24. Yep. And then what does he do? He so. then says, <laughs> he uses a word which is basically the same word. He uses a word in 24, 29. Um, I think that's, is that one the word? 24, yes. 29. He says, when is he going to come? Immediately. Immediately. Right. Yeah. Suddenly. Suddenly. Like that. It's not going to be like, Oh, wow, look at all these earthquakes that just happened, or look that this nation did this, or look that this is happening, and all of us, and that that's the sign. All be ready because Jesus is coming again. No. No, those are the birth things that have been going on for 2,000 years. When he comes, he says, it's going to come like a thief in the night. It's going to come suddenly. All right. And why does God do them suddenly? So we know that he is God. It's just like what you guys were saying. So you see, he, in a lot of ways, in here Isaiah, he's answering, why did I just tell you all this? Okay? Why did I give all this stuff to you in the Old Testament? Why do you have this today? Why do we read it today? It's like what you said, is for us to say, how do we want to be confident that God is who he says he is? He has given us literally everything we need to know that God is who he is. He is is a God. This was so different about the Christian religion. He is a God who has worked through history. If you look at other religions, they don't talk about working in history. They can go back and people have memories of it. They, you know, Hinduism is just like we're all reincarnating ourselves like this over and over again. Okay, I think drama me just thinking about all the different reincarnations. (laughs) Okay. I mean, with... We have a God who has worked in history to say, to be able to say what Eric declared that he, he continues to do, which is integrity. I am who I say I am. And when I say it's going to be done, it has always been, and I will always do it in my way, suddenly, so you can never claim it was something else. That, gosh, that is such a... a Simple, yet that is just an awesome point in terms of a differential. Yep, very profound. That is so profound in that, hey, God's a real God. God's the the auto mechanic of of God's, right? He's the God because he's tangible. Yeah. Everyone else is out there, maybe, sort of, really? No, not at all, in fact. Yeah. That's what's so awesome about our faith. Right. Is that we can say we have a God who, when he says he's going to do something, he does it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's it actually, like, yeah. historically referenced. Yeah. 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 I think it's up to us not to equivocate. Not to, not to doubt it. Not to, just to go forward with it. Yeah. A fierce loyalty. <coughs> 
All right, so I'm going to end, and we'll end with just looking at 6 through 8, and then we'll pick back up next week. But take a look at 6 through 8, because this is why I'm taking you to Isaiah 48, Mm -hmm. is because in 48, when he's talking about all these things he's done in the past, to when Isaiah's telling his, when God's telling through Isaiah, the people, hey, all these things I did in, um, you know, the Old Testament, all the things I did in Isaiah, you know, 1 through 39, okay, I told you they were going to happen, you read all those oracles, and they happened, and they happened suddenly. But now what Isaiah says is something pretty shocking, because he now says in verse 6, you have heard, now see all this, and I want to just note here that word see there, all this, it is actually the same word used for vision when Isaiah says that he had a vision from the Lord. It's not just seen with your eyes. It's like the vision like Isaiah had. You have heard, now see all this. And will you not declare it from this time forth? So from Isaiah, in essence, Isaiah 40, I'm going to tell you new things that are going to happen. Hidden things that you have not known. They are created now, not long ago. Before today, you have never heard of them. Lest you should say, Behold, I knew them. You have never heard. You have never known. From of old, your ears have not been opened. For I knew that you would surely deal treacherously, and that from birth you were called a rebel. So what's happening now in Isaiah? Is all of a sudden Isaiah breaks forth and says, now in Isaiah 40-55, I guess you go to 66, I'm now going to do something new. I'm not going to tell you new things you've never known before. Listen never up. heard of before. Hmm? Listen up. Listen up. Okay. And that's what he's going to do as we go through Isaiah 40. Is these are things God's never said before mm-hmm. and done this way before. And we know, obviously one huge part of what he's going to be talking about, which is Jesus. Jason, you bring it up all the time. What's Isaiah pointing to? Who? Christ. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you guys all said that too, okay? He does a lot, all right? Yes. And that's, what that's where we're going to see that. Before birth, you were called a rebel. What does that mean? I don't know. Oh. That's a good question. I'll try to look into that this week. I don't know, actually. Okay. Yeah. Well, Good question. You informed me in my mother's home you knew me. Yeah. That's what David said. Yeah. Probably something like that. Your original sin. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, so that's that's what we're going to be doing now. Is from this point on, we're now going to be hearing new things that God's going to start doing in Isaiah 40 that we ultimately know is going to be fulfilled. All right. Father, we just thank you for this night. I just... Uh, thank you for just all these guys who faithfully have come to Shema, your word. Mm. Shema, your logos. Because you are the Yahweh. You are the Lord of armies. You are our Savior. You are our High Priest who sits at the right hand of God. Mm. Thank you that you've given us your word. May we hear Shema. May we obey it. May we do it. May we be a people that all these words, I think it was 31, (laughs) 
whatever it is, the 31 words that John counted there, all these ways in which we declare you, may we do what Eric said, that we be a people with integrity, once who live our lives using these words in which we declare of you, that the integrity of our lives is seen through the Lord that you are, that we proclaim, that we follow, that we hear and obey. Bless us tonight, Lord. Watch over us. Protect us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.